share for a little while now um, and uh, afterwards Mark is going to come up to share like I said and I wanted to really start tonight by just talking a little bit about kind of where we are just a bit of a check on where we are as a church and uh, what things have been going on if I'm being honest um, this would not have been the year <laughs> that I personally would have chosen to come and start leading a new church um, uh, there have been so many uh, things to deal with that in which there is no right answer to the question. Though, if you've noticed that, and I don't think we're alone there. Many churches in the world have been in a similar position uh, this year and over the last couple of years. And I think only now, really, that we're starting we're starting to understand the impact that COVID has had on us, not just financially, but importantly, on us as a community. Um, and over the last couple of years, um, many people have felt lonely isolated they've lost their support groups support networks and, and when I came back last year it certainly felt almost like the moment uh, in scripture that we read about where Jeremiah and uh, sorry Nehemiah returns to Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem are on the ground and uh, and he's called uh, to come and lead uh, God's people as they re rebuild the walls now I want to be very clear in this biblical analogy I'm not Nehemiah that's not who I am in this story, um, Jesus is the one who builds his church. Um, but we are very clear that what, where we are right now as a church feels like a rebuild job, um, not like the walls are still standing strong. And, um, and I found that although that's been difficult, there has been real beauty to that too, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. There's something really beautiful and it is almost a gift about having the walls on the ground because actually what it means is that you can see the foundational stones. You can see what's in place and what everything else is going to be built upon. So yeah, although it feels like the walls have been knocked down, we've also been able to look at these foundational stones and say, are these the right ones that we believe are supposed to be in place for what God wants to build here over the next 5, 20, 50 years? Um, so what are these foundational stones that I, I believe that God has been speaking to me and to the eldership team about over the past year? I'm going to jump into that. But I want to hit the pause button right now on what I'm saying, uh, because this is exactly where I was in preparing my notes on Monday afternoon when I got an email from Tony um, saying that he felt he had something that might be for the church. Um, and he doesn't know what I'd written here. And I didn't know what he'd felt. But this is literally, I'm going to pause here, which seems like an odd place to stop. But I'm going to invite Tony to come and share uh, what he emailed me, to, uh, emailed to me on Monday afternoon when I was starting to prepare for this evening. Um, so Tony, you had something that you felt God had said to you that was for the church. So I'll let you unfold those notes. Yeah. Okay. Can you read that? Not with my glasses on. No, I'm going to take them off. <laughs> <laughs> came out a bit smaller than I expected so I'm going to read some scriptures from Jeremiah 31 I have loved you with an everlasting love I have drawn you with unfailing kindness I will build you up again and you virgin Israel will be rebuilt again you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful again you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria the farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit there will come a day when the watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, come let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord. 
the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance, and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. And I've found that I've been reminded of these verses over the last three to four weeks. And as I've thought and prayed about them, um, I thought about how they were spoken originally to God's people who'd suffered defeat and exile. And there would have been those among them who'd remained faithful to the Lord, and they would have had to endure the frustration of being unable to do some of the things they'd been used to do to serve and worship him. Through the prophet, God was speaking to his people a promise of rebuilding and the restoration of joyfulness and fruitfulness. I believe that God is speaking to us through these words as we continue to emerge from the frustration of the last two years when we too have not been able to do some of the things that we love to do in order to serve and worship him. So he's at work in us to rebuild us, bringing us back together and restoring community. Not so that we can go back to exactly where we were before, but so that we can move on into what he has for us next. I felt him saying that he's at work in us to lead us into a fresh wave of joyfulness as we see how faithful he's been to us and how much his love has surrounded us through the difficult times. I've sensed that this has already started to happen over the last few weeks. He wants to help us to rejoice in him with all we've got, even when it's difficult, because he always wants to turn our mourning into joy and dancing. This, re this release of rejoicing is a key part of the rebuilding. As well as this, I believe that he's saying that he's preparing us for an increased fruitfulness as a church, bringing new opportunities to us, causing us to bear fruit in new ways, like that well-watered garden that Jeremiah spoke of. As we step out into what he has for us next, I believe he's saying that we will be blessed with his bounty and provision, just as he promised to his people in Jeremiah's word. I feel that he's saying that if we meet our challenges with praise, giving him thanks in advance, we will continue to see his miraculous provision, both in gifting and in finance. So I really felt, let's get excited about what God's going to do with us next and keep expecting those miracles. Thanks, Tony. The end. Thank you so much for coming out. <laughs> I'm joking. But you can see why I felt I needed to pause and allow Tony to speak into this um, from what you'd heard from God. And um, that's exactly what I'm talking about. There's a rebuilding that needs to happen. Foundational stones have been uncovered. But it gives us a chance to, to ask God, are these the right stones that you want to build on for where we're going? And the answer to that question is no. <laughs> I don't think they are. And there's some things that I believe God's been challenging me personally. There's a big challenge for me. But as an eldership team that we want to bring to you tonight that we think is going to be a challenge, not just for tonight, but for uh, years to come for us. Uh, so what I want to do tonight is kind of go through a few things, a few areas that I haven't really spoken about from the front and share um, really the heart behind them and, and what we have in store for these things. And some things are already ongoing, but we just haven't really shared it from the front. And, and we feel tonight's a great opportunity to do that. So uh, where I want to start is where I feel very comfortable talking about, and that is discipleship. Um, the, you know, as a church, we are called not just to make uh, to make converts, but to make disciples, aren't we? And um, we're called to grow ourselves from being milk drinkers to meat eaters. Don't worry, you vegetarians, it's just spiritually speaking. And it's not just a call just for the wider church, it's for us as individuals too, to have a community of people 
who are willing to pick up those who are in need, to speak into their lives, to, to bring encouragement through God's word uh, to, and through the prophetic that you feel God's speaking to you, but also to bring challenge to one another, to allow iron to sharpen iron amongst ourselves. And as individuals, we want to take up the commission that Jesus gave to us as individuals. But actually as a church, um, collectively, I believe we're in, we, have, we have some great people and we're in the right place to do a lot more in terms of intentional and, and purposeful and structured discipleship. Some of this has been in place for months now, actually. Um, in September, I invited six guys uh, to come on to um, what we call Leaders in Training. Um, and it's an intentional um, discipleship program. Uh, invited six guys. Now, it's, it's, it's specifically all about discipleship. And the idea behind it is we have 75 questions laid out that we go through throughout the year. This is uh, theological and biblical and leadership and marriage and everything uh, that you can imagine we talk about, amongst other controversial subjects that we talk about. Uh, but they're all designed to challenge thinking and to create strong foundations for anybody who's called to lead. And, and how are they called to lead? Well, first of all, they're called to lead themselves to Christ. <laughs> That's what they're called to do. Uh, some of them are called to lead wives. Um, some, most of them are married. Uh, to lead their homes, uh, to lead them towards Jesus. Um, and some of them lead in the workplace. And, and, even, and then we've also got some that perhaps will come into church leadership, not all of them and maybe none of them, but we'll step into church leadership. And it's a foundational course that is about equipping them for what God's calling them into. And, and this, so that's leaders and training. It started in September. This is our first run of it. We're going to run it annually takes about a year to get through everything that we've got to get through. Um, and like I said, there's six guys on it that are on it this year. Um, and it's something that we're going to run through every year. And as we do that, we're going to encourage more and more people to come onto it. John Lambert, our master theologian, has been teaching alongside me um, through that course. And we're going to make it better next year. And we'll make it better the year after that. And we'll invite more and more people to come onto that. Um, so that's certainly... A more advanced and deeper Bible study, but we also, I see the need, and we've talked about the need quite often about a, a kind of day-to-day -day level, um, especially for new believers, perhaps those who are just at the start of their journey, or for, perhaps those who just feel like, you know, Alpha was the last thing they did, or whatever it is, that, but they just feel like they need some foundational stuff just speaking into them and teaching to them. Um, and Steve Ward is currently pulling together a course for us uh, that we will run regularly um, for those coming out of Alpha, but just as well for people uh, in the church who, who would like uh, like some extra input in those things. So the way we've kind of described it in the group is that it's almost like going on a journey with Jesus and you take a backpack with you and there are things that you need in your backpack to help you along that journey. So we'll do things like talk about communion, tithing, church life, reading our Bibles, how to read your Bibles, uh, prayer, serving, lots of things. Um, but it would be more of a basic uh, course that people can do. Um, so those are two things that I believe that will be foundational in terms of intentional discipleship in this church. One is already well underway and we'll start a new one in September. One was kind of in the midst of writing and we'll We'll make sure that's good. And both of those will be enhanced as we grow and we'll invite more and more people to come and do those. But intentional 
discipleship, but there's extra things we can do as well. Men's and we, women's weekends away. Uh, there's something that we've not been able to do. Just a few days ago, I was sat with someone having a coffee and they said, and they were sharing with me how they came on one of the men's weekends away that we ran. And they said how, you know, basically how that experience had been so powerful for them. And it's something that we definitely want to get into and, and doing more of that stuff. So discipleship, we want to be a lot more intentional. Uh, we want to be a meat-eating church, not a bottle-drinking church, not for too long anyway. And we want to see young leaders, elders, ministry leaders coming through. Um, and that comes from a culture of intentional discipleship and from a culture of love, iron sharpening iron, and pursuing Jesus together. So it's discipleship, which moves us on perfectly to the next category, youth and children. You know, uh, this past Sunday, I was actually uh, running, uh, teaching the youth, so finished in here, ran out there to do the youth. And, um, and at the end of the meeting together, we had three of our youth pray out loud, not just me and Louisa, but three of our youth prayed out loud. Emma Hughes, Charlotte Sowerby, and Sam Dilper. They all prayed out loud. And let me tell you, it was so encouraging and so powerful to hear those young people pray out loud. It was so good. And the truth is, when I got here last year, they, we had a huge issue in that there was nothing in place for the youth. Um, and to be honest, it did feel like a tricky situation. There was a sense of it, it hadn't quite taken off in previous years. I wasn't here for that. Um, and it hadn't quite gone the way that we'd hoped it, it would go in the past. Um, but <laughs> I was picking up the vibes uh, there was also no one really in the church who was kind of kicking the, my office door down saying, let me out the youth and the children. You know, there was nobody with a real conviction to lead it. So we made a decision to post for an outside hire to bring somebody in with a heart to lead the youth and children here, but also with some experience to do that. And I'm so glad we did because Zoe applied at the back there. And she was the only person who applied in two months. It's not the reason she got the job, by the way. Um, God kind of cleared everything for us and just brought us the right person. And now she's five months into the job, and I'm so glad we brought her in. I'm really glad. She has really hit the ground running. But here's the thing. Zoe can't do it on her own. She can't disciple these children, bring these youth into a place where they're supposed to be. Um, she has a wonderful group of people around her, um, two of them are sat either side of her, actually, but who come and help with the youth weekly to try and make, to make sure that that happens. And other people, too, who, who volunteer to help. Um, but she's, she's not supposed to do it on her own, and she can't do it on her own. Um, and we really want each and every one of our children, I'm sorry, but I'm, you know, I have a little one. I'm desperate for her to see her grow and know Jesus as a Lord and Savior. She's going to be a nun, so she needs to. Um, but, but I'm desperate for her to know Jesus as a Lord and Savior. And one of the things, as uh, Jenny and I have kind of read into discipling children and what that looks like, is one of the things that Jenny shared with me was a picture she read about um, children being a pile of kindling. You know what I mean by that? Like a pile of sticks. It's a weird analogy, I know. Um, but I want us to picture one of our children in the church, one of our youth, and 
you know, I'm going to use, I'm going to use Aidan as, an ex, as, as one, uh, Aidan Robertson. So say Aidan, he's in year seven. He's a pile of sticks. And actually, our job as a church, not just Zoe's job or the youth team's job, our job as a church is to put sticks on this pile. So Aidan, Aidan's dad reads a Bible story with him. And that's like putting a stick on the pile. And, and then, you know what, he has a bad day at school and he talks to his granddad, Chris, and Chris prays for him. It's like putting a stick on the pile. He comes to church and Caroline has a little chat with him and gives him some godly advice or just encourages him in, him in who he is in Christ. It's like a stick on the pile. He goes to youth on a Sunday morning and he hears about Jesus and he plays Lego for half of it, which is what they love to do. But it's like a stick on the pile. And he goes to youth camp this summer, which they're all going. <laughs> and it's like 10 sticks on the pile because it's nonstop Jesus the whole time they're there. And one day they will have an encounter with, with God. Every single one of our children and our youth, they'll have an encounter with God and it will catch light. And our job as a church is to put as many sticks on that pile as we can so that when they have that encounter with God, this consuming fire meets this pile and they are on fire for Jesus. And that's our job as a church. Discipleship, yes, with our adults, but discipleship with our youth and children as well is exactly where we want them to be. Let me show you with you two things about our youth, which I'm so excited about. One is that uh, last week, Zoe um, was talking with a young teenage girl who's been coming for a, a while now. She loves coming on a Monday night. She's actually been helping with Alpha in the kitchen as well, helping Liz. And last week, on Monday night, she came to Zoe out of the blue and said, how do I give my life to Jesus? I wanna, I wanna be a Christian. And Zoe was able to pray with her and she gave her life to Jesus there and then. And isn't that amazing? And you know what? Yeah, it's brilliant. And <laughs> Louise is excited. Um, and not just that, on Easter Sunday, we're going to have a baptism Sunday here. And four of our youth have already said they want to be baptized and publicly declare that they want to follow Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That is exactly, yeah. yeah. But that, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Our job is stick after stick after stick. It's every single person's job. And that's the culture we want to create. And I'm on the youth rotor as the leader, and I'm going to keep on the youth rotor because it's really important that they know that they're, they're central to what we're doing here. They're not an afterthought. I want them to have time with us, and Steve's been doing some youth work as well. We want them to have constant time with the leadership and not just feel like they're just, you know, we want to get them out the hall and out the way. No, we want to see them grow. Okay. Um, next up, I want to talk about pastoral team. Uh, around six months ago, Joy and Tony, you all know Joy and Tony, came to me um, and wanted to speak to me about really their heart to see pastoral care in the church and their heart for pastoral care in the church. Um, and, it, you know, in a family, you always have people who are going through hard times. You always, we always have somebody who's going to be in need, someone who's going through something difficult. And off the back of the pandemic, we knew that without a doubt, there'd be lots of people who feel isolated. Um, and, and, 
and, and not just that, a normal functioning church that doesn't come out of a pandemic. It needs good pastoral care in place. And as a church grows, it's important to have a culture that looks to care and reach out to those need, people in need constantly. You know, I've been so overwhelmed and blessed by the list on Jenny's phone of people who have contacted her this week and said, I want to care for Joe and he. Can I cook them a meal? Is there anything I can do? And Jenny has a list. I don't think those guys are going to cook a meal for another two months. <laughs> um, so it's just incredible when the church reaches out like that. And that's exactly the culture that we want to continue to cultivate and to encourage and to let grow. Um, so Joy and Tony, uh, with the help of others who have a clear pastoral gift and are already acting it out and have been doing that for years, have been meeting regularly to talk about how they can do more in the church to do that. Joy and Tony and myself meet regularly. But not just that, we have a responsibility as an eldership uh, to make sure that we get regular time with people in the church, especially those who kind of aren't in the center during the week. Uh, so Joy and Tony have helped put together a list of people in the church, and we're going to do our best to work around that as an eldership as often as we can to get around everybody in the church and just check in and see how people are doing. And if they just need prayer or if they just, they're fine, their life's great, you know, it's great just to check in with people. Um, but you will see more of this as the months and the years go on, but we want to continue to build that um, culture of pastoral care. All right, next, I want to mention the M word, and that is membership. <laughs> um, membership isn't something that we've done here at King's over the years, and you're on the edge of your seats now. And, uh, and to a large degree, that's not changing. We're not going to do membership as, a, as the M word, membership. Um, and I believe it's a really important gospel principle, actually, that, that we should feel like we belong to a church family long before we believe in or behave in the, the things or the ways that Jesus would expect us to be in his followers. However, not having membership can make, um, can make everything sometimes feel a bit loose and, and maybe feel a bit informal. Um, no, no commitment required. People can show up and disappear. You know what I'm talking about. It can feel a little bit loose. Um, but I believe there's a couple of things that we can do in order to bring a little bit of order to this without changing the heart behind who we want to be and who we believe God's calling us to be. Um, so from now on, when someone says that they would like to be part of us as a church, um, we are going to be praying people into the church. Um, I've already met with, uh, with a couple of people who've expressed they want to be part of the church since we've kind of started bringing people back in again. And there's lots more people for me to see. Um, but the way that they would work really is that they would meet with one of the elders, generally myself, beforehand, just to make sure almost that things line up a little. Um, and uh, really what that meeting is about is just making sure that this is the best church for them. Our, our job is to make sure they're going to be in a place where they're going to thrive and grow and really feel comfortable. And sometimes uh, there they can be kind of six months that go by and then they go, hold on a minute, I didn't know we believed this. I'm not part of this. And actually it's quite uncomfortable. So to have conversations with them, but then uh, two or three times a year, I'm hoping more, we would bring a group up to the front and, and introduce them and say, these guys... I've, I've said that they feel home here, they want to be part of our church, and we're going to pray for them. And in that prayer, it is a commitment from us as a church uh, to, to get around them, to care for them, to, to, to look after them. 
um, and to bring them into the family and what God is doing here. But actually for them as well, it's for them to say, you know, I'm, we belong here. We're going to be part of what you're doing here. So it's a commitment from both sides. Uh, but on top of that, and this hopefully doesn't happen too often, didn't happen too often in my last church, um, but if people leave because they feel God's calling them to move away or they feel like perhaps their circumstances in their life have changed and, and there's another church that they feel better suited to, then we will pray them out um, and we will bless them and love them and thank God for the time that we've had them. And I think it just brings a healthy um, a healthy. Um, balance to what we do here. So people feel connected and like they are committed. Um, however, it's not a, you must tick all these boxes before you're part of us here, which is what we don't want to go down. Okay. How are we all doing? Still with me? Okay. Just 20 more things. No, I'm joking. Uh, just a few more things to share with you. Next, apostolic oversight and involvement, our involvement in Christ Central and New Frontiers. Um, okay. So, Kind of cards on the table, time to be honest with you and tell you everything that I've got and holding in my hand. Uh, when I came back um, from, from Canada, my experience with Jeremy, my relationship with Jeremy wasn't fantastic. Um, and um, there was times where I felt quite isolated out in Ontario and felt perhaps Jeremy could have done more and he maybe didn't or didn't feel like I had the support that was kind of promised. So when I came back, there wasn't, and I was very honest with the eldership before I came back, there wasn't a great relationship between Jeremy and I, not for lack of trying, but just there wasn't a, a great relationship there. Um, and when we came back, we understood that there would be some bridges to build, and I didn't feel like what had gone on was irreparable. I felt it could be repaired through the help of the Holy Spirit and Jeremy and I sitting down have a, having a cup of tea together. Um, but I felt like there was a very intentional need, not just from myself, but actually from us as a church to make sure that we were involved. If we say that we're a Christ Central church, to be involved in Christ Central um, and, and to really um, build that relationship with our apostolic oversight, but with the wider churches within Christ Central as well. Um, so it's exactly what we've been doing. I'm glad to say that Jeremy and I are on great terms. <laughs> Don't hear what I'm not saying. It's, you know, we've been working at it. I've been working at getting regular time with him and getting to know him and he's been getting to know me. And we've had great chats, good laughs and, you know, we've had them around for dinner. You know, everything is great, I'm telling you. And I'm looking forward to working with him more in the long term. Um, but we needed to make sure that we were making an effort to be involved there as well, not just asking him to come here and be involved with us. So attending prayer meetings, going along to Christ Central uh, things and, and inviting Jeremy and his team to come and speak into us as an eldership and challenge us too. Uh, they were here a couple of months ago and they'll be back here in April to do the same again. Uh, but also, you may notice that we're leading the Christ Central Conference here and we felt that was really important for us to do that. Um, we are not geared up for conferencing, um, are we Graham? It's going to be a lot of work. Um, but you know, we feel it's important. And man, we're so excited to host leaders from all over the world to come here to Darlington to care for them and to uh, watch them, you know, encounter God here uh, in our building. We have an incredible building. We want to bless people with it. And on the building, uh, this amazing resource that we have, um, I want to mention a couple of things briefly. One, one is, is that you've noticed over the last year, we've made quite a lot of changes cosmetically and other things too. 
One of the things I don't know if you're aware of is the, the once dance room out the back here uh, is now our youth room. We've been slowly converting that into a youth room and we wanted them to have a space to make their own, go nuts, paint it how they want it rather than having this blue and white everywhere. Um, and they've started doing that. And I'd encourage you to poke your nose in and take a look. Um, they've, they've started decorating that this week and, uh, and it looks fantastic. Um, but also one of the bigger changes has been the Red Hall, which is no longer the Red Hall. So if anybody has a great name for that new space, it's going to be good because we're going to stop calling it Red Hall at some point. Um, but we divided it off. We gave the food bank a lot of extra space to store food because they needed it. Um, but we also kind of had to push the wave back to claim back some space for the church, um, the wave of food that had taken over that whole hall. So we've divided that off. And actually, that's where we would have been meeting tonight. Um, but as you'll find out later when Mark is uh, up here speaking, we've had to halt proceedings up there. Um, but we've been making some changes to the building. And our idea behind everything is to try and set it up for what we believe this stuff is going to be used for, for the next five years, 10 years. Um, so in everything that we've been doing, it's been trying to gear it up for the years ahead. And we want that room up there to be multifunctional. Actually, it made me chuckle that people walked up there tonight because they thought we were up there. <laughs> um, and, and we want to be up there. We want to use that space. It's a great space for especially this type of, type of crowd. Um, but also um, in the week, we have all sorts of ideas of what we can do with that space. Okay. So it's the building. Um, and... I want to finish with two more things and I've left these to last because to be honest, these are the ones that I've been wrestling with for a year and these are the ones that I would have never have imagined myself or hoped that I would be up here talking about because they're way out my comfort zone but that's okay, God, God's there in the comfort zone boundary for me. Um, the first one that I want to talk about is mission and remember when I said at the beginning that I believe that we're at the foundations right now but it's given us a chance to kind of look at stones and bring them into a central spot that we believe that God is asking us to bring into a central spot. And one of those things is mission. Uh, one of the things I felt I was supposed to do when I came back a year ago was um, to bring together a group of people around me just to pray with me and, and to bring challenge really around mission. So it was Chris and Anne Cooley. Chris is here tonight. Um, uh, Ken and Louise and Ian Littlewood um, and really just a, a small group of people just to come around me and, and share some of their experiences with mission and, and um, as you remember uh, we're going through the book of Acts at the moment and uh, at the beginning we talked about uh, how we're not supposed to be just a church that is in Jerusalem and behind the walls of Jerusalem but rather we're supposed to take the gospel message out into Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what I felt challenged with personally is that I believe that we do Jerusalem really well. I, I do. I think we have some incredible ministries that run full time. We have an incredible reputation in the town. Like, man, that's been one of my big surprises coming back to Lead Kings, the amount of people that ask to see you, that, you know, are in incredibly, you know, good positions in the town, councillors and police and the council and MP, you know, the MP, all these different people that want to speak to us about, about problems in the town. And I think it's amazing. But I think what, where we can lack is actually going across the seas, seeing uh, Jesus proclaimed elsewhere, not just here in Darlington. 
And, and as I started to pray, really, what, what I felt challenged about is about, you know, when was the last time as a church that we brought up a young couple and said, you know, this is 20-year-old Ken and Louise, and they feel challenged and called to go to Nepal and sell everything they have and go. Or this is, you know, <laughs> I don't know, Jenny and Jim, and they feel called to move to Papua New Guinea and to be part of a mission work there. And actually, you know, in terms of going out or taking our youth on mission trips, of going out and supporting other churches or other ministries across the seas, it's not something that we really have built into what we do at the moment. And I know that we've done lots of things over the years, we've been involved in lots of projects, but I really felt God give me a picture that challenged me. When we were praying not too long ago as a team, actually, I felt God give me a picture of Teesside Airport. Has anybody ever flown out of Teesside Airport at all? Yeah, lots of people. Wow. Everybody on this side. Nobody on this side. Wow. <laughs> um, jet setters, non-jet setters. Okay, so if you've ever flown out of Teesside Airport, um, you know, not, it's, it's lovely now, but not too long ago, it was terrible. And, um, and you walked in, there was like lights flashing and it felt really grim and horrible. It was so quiet and dark and dingy. And there was, you know, things hanging off walls and posters from like 1992. And, you know, it was just horrible. And there'd be like, you know, one or two flights come in all day and only one or two flights go out. And I felt God give me a picture of Teesside Airport in that state, not how it is now with a fancy bar and all that sort of stuff, but how it was then. And I felt God say that you are, at the moment, Teesside Airport. You might do a couple of things. You might have a couple of things going on. But then I felt him give me a picture of Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam, which is where we always used to fly to, to go to Toronto. Um, and Schiphol Airport, it's like this Garden of Eden airport. It's like got real trees inside of it. It's like beautiful. It's got this weird clock, amazing shops. It's amazing. It's got piano in it. It's got you know, lovely places to lie down. It's got a little place for you to put your babies for a nap. It's absolutely amazing. And, and I felt God say, right now you're a Teesside Airport, but my vision for you is to be a, a Schiphol. And actually, you will have flights coming in from all over the world, but you will have flights going out all over the world. And there'll be many people here who will never get on a plane. There'll be many people who never see, you know, the far, far reaches of the world. But their job is about equipping, discipling, building up, fueling up the planes, getting food in their stomachs, getting them rested, and getting them checked in for that next flight. And actually, I just felt God really challenged me in that. And I've, you've got to hear, I'm really challenged by that because I've never been on a missions trip, ever. And, and to be honest with you, I'm okay with my own bed, like, if I'm being honest. Um... I've, I've counted Ontario as a mission field at times, but never, never been on an intentional missions trip. So a quick few things to share, really, because that's what I felt God speaking. And as a, as a team, we've been meeting for about nine months now and, and just bringing to each other projects that we feel maybe God's put on our, on our heart. And we pray together through those. We had a missions prayer night just to start to raise awareness for some of these things that we believe God's calling us to support. And we're looking thing, for things and churches and ministries to support long-term, not short, little flash-in-the-pan things where we go out for a week and, you know, tell everybody, oh, isn't Jesus wonderful, and then we disappear. Long-term projects and churches and ministries that we can support. 
So with that being said, I'm going to share with you three things. Uh, there's a few more, but I don't have time to go through all of them, but I just want to share with you three things. The first of all, I want to show you a picture, which I did show you a pic- this picture a few weeks ago. This is a church in Pune, in India. Um, and uh, the guy who leads us is called Linus Das. Uh, Linus is Diraj's brother-in-law. Uh, Diraj introduced us. Now, Linus, um, the reason why we started talking really is, is off the back of basically Linus feeling a little bit isolated. Uh, he is a leader, um, and he's the only leader of the church. And the church has been leading, uh, running for now for seven years. They meet in, up above somebody's house. That's the upper room. And, um, and it's incredible. They have about 150 people that go. They have prayer meetings at five o'clock in the morning. These guys are amazing. And they're looking to buy a piece of land. People are willing to sell their properties to buy land, to build an orphanage and a church, uh, a church building for them to meet. And it's absolutely amazing. And I've been getting to know Linus and having regular phone calls with him and chatting with him. Um, and he's just an amazing guy. Um, and I want to share with you just what happened yesterday, actually. So at the, at the prayer night that we had about mission, we uh, shared about the church in Pune and we prayed for them. And we, uh, I shared a few things. And last time I spoke to Linus was about a month or so ago, maybe perhaps a tiny bit longer. No, about a month or so ago. And I invited him to come to the leaders conference here that we have with Christ, the Christ Central Leaders Conference. And I said, look, if you can make it, we, you know, we'll house you, we'll feed you, and we'll pay for you to go to the conference. But I know that you're kind of on your own there. You don't have a support network. Why don't you just come and just meet leaders from around the world? Come and be filled. Come and be nourished. And, and you know, Diraj and Louisa will host them, host him, you know. And if you can make it out here, that'd be fantastic. And he went away, and, and one of the feedback that I had was that he didn't really have the money for flights. Um, and I know that, uh, and, I, and I shared that we'd invited him at the prayer night. And somebody was at the prayer night, I'm not going to uh, say who it was because I haven't asked them beforehand. Um, but they, they came to me yesterday, a man, <laughs> and they said, we've been praying and thinking about the church in India that we were praying for that night, and we would like to pay for his airfare for him to come and, and be here for the conference. And man, I tell you, I called him yesterday and I caught him with his earphones on and he was listening to worship music. I thought, this is a bit odd. Are you okay? Why have you got earphones on? And he was listening to worship music. He said, oh, my wife and I have been praying and his father died just before Christmas. And I knew that. Um, but all of their savings had gone on the funeral and on his medical costs before he died. And he said, Lord, if, if I'm supposed to go, will you make a way? And... And then yesterday, someone came in and said, we feel God's asking us to pay for his air, airfare for him to come. And I think he's going to come. He's going to talk to his wife and tell her what's happened and talk to his church. But I think he's going to come. And that is a church right there that needs support long-term, needs resources, needs people to come alongside them. And I'm so excited to introduce him to you all when he's here uh, in June, God willing. That's one project. The next picture I want to show you is a church in Phnom Penh. Uh, you all probably know that, that place very well. This is uh, a church in Phnom Penh. Now, in the middle, hugging with their heads very close, is a couple called Sam and Abby. Can you see them? Right in the middle there. You can't really see their faces, but they're in Phnom Penh. They have two little girls, uh, and 
They were at a church in Macclesfield. Is that right, Macclesfield? I am right. Anna Kenelow's, yeah. And it's funny, we've been praying, Lord, would you give us projects? Would you give us things? If we're called to, to do mission, <laughs> uh, will you give us projects, give us uh, things to support, give us churches to support long term? And we get an email out of the blue <laughs> from this couple, Sam and Abby Little. They moved out there uh, last year and moved out with their two little girls because they feel called to plant a church in Siam Reap. There's a church in Phnom Penh already that they're part of. But they feel called to plant a church in Siem Reap. And they were asking for help. They were asking for help with finances, with prayer. And uh, we've been talking as an eldership. Um, Ken and I actually spoke to him for the first time yesterday on a video call. Other than through email, we've been chatting. And we were able, as a church, we were able to give them £300 a month towards their church plant. And we've kind of committed that for the next 18 months. And we'll kind of review it then. But man, to talk to him, he's got, they've got such a heart for Cambodia. And we, you know, we've had links to Cambodia over the years, haven't we? But to see that money going into a church plant and blessing them there from our giving funds is so amazing. The last one that I want to share with you, I'm just aware of time, but the last one I want to share with you is Romania. Um, <laughs> off the back of um, the meeting that we had with Christ Central uh, that I t- that told you guys, uh, Jeremy and his team came up, um, the, 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 that week I was speaking and I was speaking on Acts chapter one. Uh, we don't want to be a church just in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. And I was challenging you guys. I knew that God was challenging me at the same time with it. The next morning I read a text from a guy called Andy Robertson who leads a church down in Horsham and he was here. I met him for like, you know, a few hours uh, here and he was part of a group who were praying together. And Andy said, um, look, I was, when I was traveling back from Darlington, I don't know why, but I just had a really strong feeling that I should contact you and ask you if you would come to Romania with me. He said, there's a church there that's a really well-established church. It believes it wants to be part of New Frontiers, but it's never really found other churches to link with. And he said, at the moment, I'm their only link into anything larger than themselves. And he said, if I was you know, hit by a bus then they would have nobody. And he said, but I felt that I was supposed to ask you to come. He said, February, that didn't work. (laughs) But he said, would you come with me and just meet this church, meet the church leadership, and then they're gonna come to the leadership conference. And I would really love them to make a link with you. There's a church that just needs long-term support and help and actually wants to run all sorts of things like youth camps um, that you can bring your youth to, to help support and be part of. And... um, we prayed into it and I shared with Graham and we really felt that actually, one, it's cheap to get there, which is good because <laughs> we don't have a lot of money to go. But also we can just go out for a few nights and see if we feel God in this. Um, so we're going to go, uh, Graham and myself, at probably the end of April, just for, just for a weekend and just meet these church leaders and see if we can come alongside them and support them long term and build relationship with them. And then, you know, all this is going on and nobody knows. And off the back of this, someone gives us a thousand pound donation and says, I feel like this is specifically for mission as a church. So later on, you're going to see that we have a subcategory now in our finances, which is mission. (laughs) And it's got a thousand pounds in it. Um, So I believe God's calling us to believe that we can do incredible things as a church, to do mission. Um, That we can... uh, that we can actually be a part of something 
outside the walls of Jerusalem. And we haven't, you've got to understand, we haven't gone looking for this stuff. It's kind of just, ah, this is something that I feel you should be involved in. Ah, here's something that we'd like to bring to you. Here's a thought. And we've really just responded off the back of that. And we're going to just keep pushing in that. I've never been on a mission trip before. And, um, and neither is Graham, actually. So it's going to be interesting for us. Um, but we're going to go for a few nights and see what God does there in Romania. But the last thing I want to share, which I am finishing with, just for a minute, is church planting. And the reason why I'm not going to give this one as much time as I probably should is because I actually don't have that much to share with you about it. Um, two things that I really uh, have felt challenged with this year, and when I say challenged, I mean reluctant <laughs> uh, to, to agree to. One is mission, and the other is church planting. And that's not because I'm not super excited about the thought of those things, but I'd be more excited if it was somebody else leading those sorts of things and I could just cheerlead. Um, but I feel God has really um, challenged me in church planting. And we don't want to just be a church that raises leaders. We want to be a church that sends leaders to. And to send people to church plant. Um, um, Owen Sound often felt like a church plant, if I'm being honest, when we had 20 people on a Sunday. Uh, but to send people from Darlington uh, to Sunderland, to, to Barn Castle, to, to, you know, to, to Thailand, wherever God is calling them to, wherever God stirs in their hearts. Um, but I believe that God is challenging us to build foundations of who we're gonna be in the years to come. And I do believe that God is challenging us to be a church that, that, that disciples these young leaders, but not to keep hold of them, but to send them. And we obviously, we want to see that filter into our church eldership. Um, it's something we, we talk about quite often, that we want to see young elders in our eldership. But also, we don't want to keep hold of them all. We want to send them into mission field, into church planting. And I've invited Jeremy to challenge, challenge us on that um, when he comes up for a day in April, on mission, specifically on mission and church planting and raising up young leaders. Um, but I really want to kind of plant that with you and allow God to speak it to you. <laughs> um, because if we are going to be a church planting church, that means that some of you are going to go out on a church plant. Uh, the people that are going to come through the doors in the years to come are going to go out on church plant. And what that looks like can take all different types of forms and and we're not going to go into that. But I really believe that God's challenging us with that. And there's so many things that I haven't spoken about today that are foundational to what we do as well. And just purely for time, we'd be here all night. Um, but prayer, worship, giftings, spiritual giftings, the way that we give as a church and what we give to, the groups that we run, Bible studies, there's so many things that are foundational to what we believe we're called to. And as we know, there's so many things that go on here every week at the center. Um, but I'm not going to speak into those today. But I want to finish by, uh, before I invite Mark up ready to, to bring us all back to reality, uh, <laughs> um, by just asking you to go away and pray about it yourself. I really believe that what God has for us is so incredible and so exciting. And, you know, hearing Tony's words this morning about turning mourning into dancing. Man, like, I can't wait to see God fulfill his promises in us as a church. And I'm so excited to be pushed beyond the boundaries of what I'm comfortable with. Man, if Jesus 
you know, spoke to us and said, you're going to be just a nice little cushy teaching church. That would be my, like, that would be my cup of tea. But Jesus isn't challenging us to be comfortable, is he? He's challenging us to, to believe and to push and to, and to go out and make, make disciples and share the good news outside of Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. To believe that actually that he has more for us. Um, and I'm so excited about that. And I hope something in you is excited about that. I see one or two smiles, so that gives me encouragement. I'm just going to look at you. Um, but before I hand over to Matt, I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to hand over. Father, we just thank you uh, that you do speak to us. We thank you for Tony's word. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us uh, as individual parts of the same body. And Lord, I pray, the reality is I can come up here and share as much as I like, but the reality is unless your spirit moves and does something in all of our hearts, actually all of it will be forgotten. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that we can't do anything besides your power. Lord God, I just thank you that you are the one who makes a way with the mission stuff. We haven't pushed it, You've you've just brought it to us. And we can't afford it, but you, you're the one who gives us what we need to do, what you're calling us to do. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that right now you'd start to speak to us individually as well as collectively as a church. Lord, as a, as a church, would you just start to stir, stir us through the power of your spirit? Would you get us excited about what you have for us? And would you help us to understand that we've got our own part to play? Whether, Lord, it's, it's refueling the planes, whether it's getting on the planes, whether it's getting passengers checked in and checked out, whatever it is, Lord, that you have for us, Father, we just want to submit to you and say, Lord, yes, we want to accept your vision, your purposes for my life and for my church. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, amen. Mark, I'm going to invite you up um, to do the numbers. When, when I was preparing for this, I, uh, I didn't turn to, uh, to Tony and Fred. I turned to my 15-year-old daughter, Charlotte. I was, was, I was sat working it through. I was saying, right, I, I've got to follow Mike on. So Mike's going to go first and inspire everybody. And quick as a flash, it was straight back. So Mike's going to inspire everybody, and then you're going to stand up and tell them that we can't afford to do any of it. <laughs> so, uh, so if this goes badly, it'll be Charlotte's study here next year, not, not me. Okay. Um, it's good, to, uh, it's good to reflect, I think, and um, I want to look back. I've not, because of lockdowns, not been able to do this for some time, and um, I think I've found it myself quite therapeutic to go back and, and do this exercise as well, just to reflect, because the last two years do feel a little bit of a blur in terms of what happened when, which lockdown happened when, and what happened in between. So I want to start by taking you back to where we were as a church pre-lockdown, um, so that's going back to 2018 and 2019. And just a few, few numbers up there. So back in 2019, our gift income was 254. It's come out a bit smaller now, isn't it? Two, I'll tell you anyway. 250. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It looks bigger on this one. <laughs> so 254,000 um, was our gift income that we, were, that we were bringing in at that point in time. 
And we were we broke even in 2019 with thousand pounds of, of net inflow. Um, we had operational funds, so that's the funds available to us in the in the bank to um, to, to run the church for about eighty six thousand at the end of the year. Um, although we'd committed twenty thousand of that, twenty one thousand of that to to give away. Um, for those who perhaps aren't familiar, we. We, we, we make a commitment to give away 10% of our gift income that we get every, every year and give it away to good causes and to other churches in support of their activities. And we had outstanding 21,000 still to give away of, of our income at the end of that point. We had a, a legacy fund of 129,000, which was set aside for developmental activities and growth of the church. And the food bank had 9,000 in the bank as well to, uh, to fund it. So generally the summary was back in 19, our finances were in balance and we had some good reserves um, heading to where we were. So then in 2020, COVID hit and put the chart up there so you can, you can see that. So what, I, what I've taken is added up all of the, uh, the sources of income um, in terms of the gift income we receive which was about the 208,000 back in, um, uh, sorry, 254,000 in 19. Cafe income was 45,000, furniture scheme 83,000, and various other bits of income from rental, uh, about 24,000. We were just over 400,000 pounds of income back in 2019. We then, of course, went into lockdown and um, had to close down a lot. And we went down to 288,000 in 2020. And then last year, it was, was 313,000. So we've effectively seen over the you know, hundred thousand pounds drop in our income or per annum over the last last two years, which is is quite scary when you uh, when you look at it and you think about it. Um, we're able to keep some income coming in through the furniture scheme and the cafe through doing stuff online, and uh, and a big thank you to to um, uh, those who were able to continue giving through that period as, as well. And I think it's, an, as, we're, as we're worshiping at the start, I think it's just important to, to, to make that point, to thank those that were able to do it, recognize that, that not everybody was in that position. It was, it was a difficult time. I don't want anybody to feel that, that there's any condemnation in any of that. But as a church, we were able to keep going through that period and continue to gift 200,000 pounds per annum into the church. So that's a significant drop in our income level over the two years, um, but we're still here. So how are we still here? So I'm gonna pull out um, two or three things. Firstly, we had some exceptional income in the year. So um, courtesy of uh, the government, we got in 2020, we received grants of 34,000 and then another 13,000 in uh, 2021. And we took advantage of being able to furlough staff on the government scheme when, um, when we had to shut down activities, we were able to claim back um, the contribution to salaries. So we had 47,000 came back in in 2020 and um, 10,000 in 2021. And also in 21, we received um, a, a, an exceptional one-off donation from, from somebody as well. So all of those things helped to plug the gap we still had a deficit for the year of about 10,000 in 2020 and 20,000 in 2021. But because we came into, into the, the, the position with, with funds, we were able to weather that. So we've come through that and we, we go out of 2021 
with 55,000 in our funds in the, uh, to, to, to see us through into the future. Yes, there's about 20,000 of that which we're committed to gift away. So that would give us around about 35,000 in operational funds. And we've used the legacy fund for some of the developmental activities we've had over the last few years in terms of some of the transition of leadership um, and being able to, to develop the youth work. So we've used that and we've still got 65,000 of that left as well. So we've come through it, but I think it's just, I think it's important to, to, to stop and pause and say 100,000, 25% drop in income, and yet we've come through, and I think it's just important to acknowledge how God has been, God has been, has been to us through the last two years. And I don't think it's a, I don't th think it's a coincidence either that, that through the two years, people were able to contribute, continue to give, and God's met us in our needs as well through our commitment to it. So I think it's important to, personally, I think, just to recognize that. So that's where we are. Um, that's where we came through and where we've, we've come into 2022. Um, obviously, we've taken that drop. Things are starting to open up again. We've set ourselves a budget for the, um, for the year ahead. Um, and we recognize that the world is still going to continue to be a challenging place. You know, the government is in a position where it's going to be providing funds to us in the future, so we need to look at other ways of, doing, of raising money. So we've set ourselves a budget for next year, and that square box over on the right-hand side, um, the 2022 box, is the budget that we've set for this year on our income. So we've set ourselves a target of getting back up to 372000 and an element of that is because we're now, the cafe is now back open and the furniture scheme is now back open. So we're assuming that we'll, we'll, we're targeting to get back up to, uh, to a normal level of income from those activities. And we're also making an assumption that, there's a, that, that the gift income will recover a little bit as we, we're back open as well and, 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 uh, and as the church starts to, to um, well, I hesitate to use the word come up hibernation, but it does fit a little bit, a little bit like that. But when we look at our costs that we that we set up to do, and that pie chart over on the left-hand side um, just indicates the, the shape of it. So the blue segment are our salary costs. So we've got round about, and, and that's the salary costs of people that come out of the operational funding. The red red segment is the property cost. Um, and then the other bits, the the smallest segment that. Um, sort of grey colour is the gifting away, the 10% of what we collect, and the 36,000 uh, in the yellow is everything else, the variable piece. So there's not an awful lot that we've got to play with in there. You know, we know that we're going to feel pressure on utilities costs over the next year, uh, as, as we all will. Um, but without being able to cover that element of cost, none of what we do here is, is possible. So it, you know, it's not possible to to run the, the, the cafe, the furniture scheme, anything, or, or in meetings without being able to cover that, um, that property cost. And even with that level of income, we've put a bu the budget together, and that leaves us with a 35,000 shortfall in our, in our, for, the, for the year. So we, if, we, if it pans out like that, our operational funds by the end of the year will be down to, uh, down to nil, I'm afraid. So that's, that's kind of where we are. That's the sort of the, the dose of reality of where it is. Um, but I think it's, you know, we want to just share with everybody where we are. You'll notice I haven't specifically mentioned, I've talked about the cafe and the furniture, I haven't specifically mentioned the, uh, the, the, uh, the food bank in there. And I think it's important to recognize that over the last year, the last two years, 
that the, the, the food bank itself has raised funds itself, got donation, donations in and being able to cover all of its running costs through that. And we, and we expect that to, to continue into the future. So this is around trying to, uh, to cover everything else. So that's, that's where we sit um, now. And I suppose what's the practical response for us? Um, and I'm sure you'll probably all have heard me say some of this before. And I know that I'm talking to, to a, 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 an educated audience and um, a lot of this won't apply to people. People are already thinking about it. But I'm, I'm going to say it. I won't make any apologies for going through it all over again. Um, partly because I'm speaking to myself as well as everybody, just as a, as a challenge. But equally, please feel free to share it with others who aren't here. So the first thing we need to, to do is to, having heard um, what Mike said, is to reflect on our own levels of giving and our own regularity of giving as to whether we can change anything we do, give more frequently, give more. Um, that's between ourselves and between yourselves and, and, and God to work through. The second thing to consider is, is how we give. And for any, anybody out there who might be a taxpayer and who hasn't filled in a, a gift aid form, um, you can fill that in. There's ways of doing it, either contacting through MAGS, through Lynette, or looking on the church website or, and find out how you do that. But if you're, if you're able to sign a taxpayer uh, and paying, paying your tax over through your employment, fill the form in because any donation that you give, we can then recover another 25% back from the, uh, from the government on it. So if you're not aware of that, that scheme, I would encourage you to find out about, more about it. And also I would ask if people perhaps just think about how they give. Um, you know, we don't want to ever turn away any, any gift that anybody is, is providing to us, but there are better, you know, there are different ways that from a, speaking from a practical perspective and from Lynette, who has to do the accounting and mags um, on that side of it. If you're able to set up a standing order, that's great. If you're able to do a bank transfer, that's great. Um, you can do it via the website as well. And there's an added benefit, apart from the fact that it gives, it, gives us a regularity of it. Um, it's also beneficial because whenever we, get, whenever we have checks or cash, it actually costs us a little bit having to bank those as well, whereas with the transfers and the standing order, we don't pay that, so it gives us a bit more in the, in the kitty. So those are the key sort of th practical things for our own giving. And the last one I've put up there is just really the, uh, the advertising bit on behalf of Liz is to encourage everybody to use the cafe. Um, that brings in income for the, uh, for the place. And uh, um, so if you're thinking of going out for coffee with anybody, I encourage you to come here and do it. That's summary. Okay. Thank you. Um, I just want to say before I say anything else, uh, we're going to wrap it up real soon because I understand it's getting bedtime for some of you. By some of you, I mean me. Uh, Mark and Lynette um, are <laughs> God's gift to this world. Uh, let's put it that way, aren't they, Mags? Uh, they keep us right. And it's not just that. To, to have them here is such a blessing. And it's not, just, it's not just the fact that they do the numbers or they do the banking. It's just who they are as people, actually. And they're a real gift to us as a church. To Jenny and myself personally, a real support as well. So um, just thank you from us as a church because you guys are incredible. Um, I, you know, when, when uh, Mark and I sat down in January, straight after Christmas, and 
And he showed me the numbers for the year ahead, and uh, it was a 35,000-pound deficit. I said, oh, okay. Mark, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about this? <laughs> he said, probably an 8. I thought, right, okay, well, we probably need to be a little bit more worried than I am right now. <laughs> um, I want to share a couple of things with you. One um, is Liz, who is leaving, uh, runs, runs our cafe. She's going to do the M&S pickup. And um, we sat down and we realized that the, the cafe was probably running at about a £10,000 loss based on predictions. And Graham and myself and Liz, and we chatted and prayed about it. And we didn't really pray a lot, but just prayed, God, give us help, <laughs> you know. Uh, to, to be a £10,000 loss is quite a burden um, on the church. And we set a target of what we needed to bring in um, to, to basically, so that the, the cafe would go from being lost to, to breaking even. And actually, just early days, but over the last four weeks, all has been is prayer, but the cafe has made money for four weeks instead of losing money. And do you know what? Like, just little things like that, for me, are God's promises that he is sufficient. <laughs> and um, I want to finish really by just saying to you, money doesn't stop God from fulfilling his plans. And if you feel that you can give, if you feel there's something that you can do, that, that is amazing. And I I haven't got a clue what, who gives or what they give, and I never want to know. It's between you and God. But if you feel like God is provoking you and, and challenging you in that area, then, then that's amazing. I would encourage you to pray. Um, but I want to just want to encourage you. The numbers don't look great, <laughs> but God is good. And he has supremacy over everything. And, um, and I really believe that God's not quite finished with us yet. I don't know about you. I think he's got a long, long way to go. And I'm not planning for the next six months I'm planning for the next 10 years um, and really seeing God do do his thing here build his kingdom here uh, in Darlington and with us personally so why don't we just finish in prayer I just encourage you to stand you've been sat down a long time but we're just going to finish in prayer Father, we thank you that you reign and you rule. Everything on, on, in heaven and on earth belongs to you and is under your feet. God, we thank you that when we face tasks that to us seem impossible, to you they're just an opportunity to demonstrate your glory. And Lord, I pray that you would use this. We would see this moment as a gift. That whereas the numbers say in six months we're going to be done, <laughs> Father, um, it's an opportunity for you to demonstrate how incredible and powerful and awesome you are. And it is not us who will build your church, but you. Lord, would we see this as an opportunity to trust you to allow our faith to rise and to be a people that come to you when we're faced with the unknown. So Lord, I pray right now you would stir our faith, you would stir our hearts and Lord, we would realize that you are doing something amazing here. 
Father, we thank you for who you are, for your glorious um, everlasting kingdom. And Lord, we pray that in our time of need and not understanding what you're doing, you would come and meet us in the midst of it. You'd come and speak to us. And Lord, would we be a church at the end of the year, just like the Israelites coming through the, coming through the sea, to be a people that say, we are here because our Lord made a way. Praise be his name. Would we have a story and a testimony to share in a year's time and say, wow, God, we're here because of you, because of what you did. Lord, would we be a church full of stories about, about your goodness and your provision and your power? Yeah, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. I hope that you've felt like uh, we've been able to catch up with a lot of things. Um, and uh, uh, the last thing to say is uh, myself and Graham, Paul, Steve, and Mark are going to stick around for 10 minutes or so. If you feel like you want to just come and ask us any questions, clarify anything, please feel free to do so. Come and chat with us. Uh, we'd love to hear your questions, comments, concerns, anything you have. Okay, thank you.